Time podcast. Uh, my name is Dusty Slay, and I'm your host. Uh, and I'm here with my wife and co-host Hannah Hogan. Okay. I, to- I told you last podcast I was going to do Hannah Hogan. Okay. Because Hannah Slay's your name now, but it it doesn't have the same ring to it. Mm. Hannah. I'm Hannah Hogan, the entertainer, podcaster. Yeah. Yeah, Hannah Hogan. That's your name on the podcast. Yeah. I'm in a bit of a uh, a dispute with the podcast page on uh, Reddit right now because I've been in trouble already. I didn't understand a lot of the Reddit rules, so they don't want you to just go on there and do self-promotion everywhere, which is what I did immediately. Um, But someone asked the question of, who are your favorite female comedians doing podcasts right now? Um, and I said, Hannah Hogan from the We're Having a Good Time podcast. And they removed my comment for self-promotion. And I was like, well, someone asked who are funny women and what's the podcast they're doing. And I shared it. I was like, it's ridiculous that you would remove this post. Just another example of the industry trying to keep me down. I said, either you support women comedians or you don't. You know, just because I happen to be on the podcast too. Yeah. that's People aren't ready for my voice. They're not ready for my voice in comedy. They're not ready for my edge. Yeah, I mean, we're so far down the road with it now because I'm not on Reddit a bunch that, you know, it's long gone. It's long gone now. It's not even worth the fight but I'm just annoyed by it. It's like, listen, what's the point of having this Reddit page? If somebody on here goes, hey, I'm looking for some strong female voices in the comedy podcasting world right now. And I go, hey, I got one right here for you. I know her very well. I'll tell you what, everyone on Reddit is missing out on me. Yeah. Everyone. They are missing out. The only people that aren't missing out on me right now are the people listening in right now? Well, that's exactly right. And they are listening in. And I don't know if we're going to do two podcasts this week or not. That That is my goal to do this one tonight and then still do another one later in the week because we missed one. And I'd like to get back to our regular Thursday morning podcast out here. We're doing a Sunday night podcast right now, and that's unheard of. It is unheard of. Uh, but the kids are asleep, and so we're trying to keep it down a bit. Um, but we, um, I have this new podcasting studio, but our, our child is asleep right below us. Um, and, uh, we feel good though. we got a lot going on last week. My dad was here and it's just too hard to podcast with family here because, you know, we have someone to babysit, but I also feel, feel weird breaking away, like being like, Hey, you're in town visiting us. We're going to go ahead and break away and do a podcast. And I don't feel like, you know, my dad and and uh, his wife, my stepmom, they don't get to come up enough to where the kids really have that kind of relationship with them. Um, my stepmom does well with the kids. Uh, my dad, not so much. And it's not that my dad doesn't do well with the kids. The kids don't do well with my dad. And... Uh, 
but you know, I don't think it's either of their fault. My dad just immediately wants there to be uh, a, a bond. And the kids are too young to even understand what grandparents are. Hey, he's like, I know you only see me once a year, but come sit on my lap. Yeah. Well, it's just like, I try to be like, hey, I'm your dad. He's my dad. But I don't even know that the kids understand the concept of dad. I'm just the guy that she calls dad that's here all the time. Yeah, you're like God to her, really. Well, that's too far, I But think, it's but. that kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah. She's well, all you know. Yes. You're the man. I'm, I'm all she knows, yes. Yeah, you're the man. Yeah, well, I guess you're right, though, because God the Father, God is a father yes. figure to us. Yeah, yes. I guess you're right. But it's, um, yeah, so it's like the whole concept of parents and this is my mom, I'm your mom, you know, it, it's confusing to them. They don't understand it. They're like, this guy's similar to my dad, but older. Uh, and that probably freaks her out, too. She probably don't understand what he's saying. His southern accent's so thick. Yeah, yeah. It's so thick. But um, but I want them to have a better relationship. But it's just it's just hard. My dad, he uh, he tore retina in both of his eyes. And one eye, he had a lot of trouble in the surgery. And so he doesn't see well out of his one of his eyes. So my dad's always had bad vision. But when he tore the retina, it really messed him up. So he can't hunt anymore because he can't shoot out of that eye. Or he can't see out of that eye very well. So he, he doesn't drive a lot. He drives around town. But he ain't going to be making a five-hour drive on the interstate up here. So, But uh, it was a good visit. Yeah, yeah. So it was a great visit. Uh, it was a lot of fun. My dad came up and uh, I hung the bat house. I'd like to say he helped, but even he said, I didn't really do much. I just stood there. I mean, my dad turned 76 on um, Friday. So he ain't climbing a lot of ladders these days. But I got a real tall ladder from a neighbor and we put it up in the tree and uh, I hung the bat house. After a couple tries. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody out there acted like I'm supposed to be a bat house hanging expert. I've never hung a bat house. I took it up and, and you know, and I don't want to hang it in the tree. I don't, that's not where I want to put it, but there's really no other place other than me buying a 15 to 20 foot pole that I don't even know where you get that at. I looked a couple of places. Nobody seems to have it. I don't even know where you get a 15, 20 foot pole. And, uh, and so I went up, I went up to the top of the ladder with, uh, into the tree and I was just going to screw, uh, into the tree, um, but the way they have the bat house designed to where you put brackets on the side, even though it's a, a very large tree, it's not wide enough. The screws wouldn't go in that way. So, you know, I don't know that. So I took it up and then I'm like, it's not going to work this way. So I had to come back down. And then, um, you know, and I don't want to put screws in my tree. I like my tree. I think of my tree, and I know that people say trees are alive, but I think of my tree as a living being back there, and I don't like putting screws in it, but I don't know what else to do. So I took it up there, 
And, uh, and then I, I screwed a board into the tree and then I took the bat house up and put the brackets into the board and it's up there. It's not the way I want it to be, but yeah, you know, it took me a couple of tries. You never gave up. Yeah. You I mean, never gave up. And I was so proud of you. But everybody out there was kind of every, they were like the peanut gallery out there, my neighbor and Hannah and my dad. And it's like, everybody's like, Oh, acting like I'm like, like I proclaim to be the bat house hanging expert of the neighborhood. I'm like, listen guys, all I want is some bats in this backyard. I think we all just saw how ridiculous it was that out of nowhere, you're like, I need your ladder because I need to hang a bat house. And so the first question is, what the heck's a bat house? Well, yeah, I mean, there's questions, but it wasn't out of nowhere. I texted him a few weeks ago setting this up. Mm -hmm. I had prearranged this. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my dad lives out in the country. He's had bats living in his barn and stuff like that. And, you know, people are – we're so far removed from nature – that we just think the solution to getting rid of mosquitoes is mosquito repellent and hiring some service to come out here and spray. But I've got eastern bluebirds living out there. They're, they're supposed to eat different types of insects. I saw an eastern bluebird one day eat a grasshopper right out of the sky. Savage. This grasshopper flew off. It jumped and flew off the porch and the eastern bluebird came out of its birdhouse that I've set up. It came out of it, flew, caught it up in a tree. Circle of life. I mean, it's amazing. That's beautiful. And then, you know, at the cabin, we have a creek nearby, a lot of standing water nearby. But we have less mosquitoes there than we have here. And we've seen bat activity out there. Mm-hmm. I think there's some bat activity here too. You've said now you've is seen. the bat activity just you running around flapping your arms, or <laughs> <laughs> or is there actually winged uh, winged uh, rats? You've seen the bats. I have. You've seen them. Okay, I just want to clarify for the audience. Yeah, you never know the the type of guy that hangs a bat house might also be the guy that likes to dress up in a bat suit. Uh, yeah, maybe. But, you know, I'm just bringing solutions um, to the neighborhood. Okay. I'm just, I watched a video today on turning your neighborhood into a village, uh, bringing people together. I'm just, I'm just so into this idea. I mean, last week I watched a video on building ponds and um, permaculture I'm so into this permaculture idea, the idea of the food forest. I've talked about this before, but I'm so into it. I can find good YouTube videos on it, but I've been trying to find good podcasts around permaculture. And the permaculture community is the, at least what I can find, is the worst podcasters on the planet. I'm not saying this is the best podcast in the world, but I am telling you, we have good audio. And we're talking about things. I mean, these podcasts are the worst. We listened to a couple on the way home the other day. <sighs> I listened to a few. The audio is usually really bad. And either it's like people that are actually like permaculture scientists who've, who've done a lot and they use a lot of big words to describe what they're doing, or they'll never really get into it. I just want to hear you talk about 
what you're doing. I think they spend so much time in nature that they have the personality of a dead leaf. Well, that could be that could be true. That could be true, but this is what we're doing. See, the land that we have out in McMinnville, it's on a bit of a, a, a slope the whole way leading down to a creek. There's some flat areas on it, and we, we found the flattest area to put our cabin on, and then we had some other area flattened out, um, you know, just around the cabin to provide a bit of a, a space, uh, but... We're going to add in like what they call swales um, where you can because we, we planted our trees uh, that we a couple of years ago, we planted a bunch of trees out there and we planted them on the slope. And my thinking at the time was, you know, we have a, a, a an orchard just going straight down the hill here so we could just walk through uh, and just pick apples and, and, and pears and plums. Uh, but. What I realized is that we have in, in Tennessee, we have this hard clay soil. So when it rains a lot, it gets very moist and it really holds moisture. But when it's not raining a lot, it's as hard as a rock. So when this rain comes in, it just goes right down the hill and doesn't really soak up. But when you build these swales, and I don't know, you would have to look it up if this is something you're interested in. You can trap the water in and help it soak in, and then you plant trees on either side. So I'm going to have a guy come out, and I've already had him come out. We've talked about it. We've looked at the land. We're going to build some swales, and then we're going to plant trees. We're going to redo the orchard, and I will put some videos out on that when we get, get going with it. But this pond thing that I found, I shared it on Twitter, this pond video. I mean, it is, I'm so into ponds now. I mean, I, I'm basically doing comedy now to supplement my uh, permaculture. Um, uh, food forest addiction. Passion. Yes, food forest addiction, passion, whatever you want to call it. I'm into it now. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to combat climate change something that i don't even know exists with um with i i just think i never buy i never buy into the climate change stuff but what i i can get down with is the idea that we're not treating the environment well you know the way we live i mean the amount of garbage that we have on a weekly basis around here. Mostly due to your Amazon purchases. But. Well, even though I compost those boxes. Okay. You know, but yeah, I mean, we, we have a, a lot of uh, lot of trash. Mm -hmm. And uh, it just like, it blows my mind. We'll get the, tr the trash will come. They'll empty the can. Sometimes I'm like, oh no, it's full already. How are we going to make it a whole week? We shove it up in there. We do. We shove it right up in there. <laughs> yeah. But it's like there's so much trash. There's just so much stuff. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just out here. You want to be a good steward yeah. of this earth. And there's no, we've noticed. Now, I, I don't want to say there's no wildlife because there's a lot of turkeys and then we've seen yeah. deer out on the land. But other than that, there's not been a ton of wildlife out there. But I bought, I got some bird houses and some bird feeders and lately we've been seeing a few birds and then I saw a squirrel the other day. So there's something, but I, I, in a way I like that there's not a lot of wildlife out there because I want to see what we can bring in. 
I I mean, I've already seen results. We saw some crows out there when we were there this yeah, weekend. a lot of crows. I've not really seen crows there before. No, we got some bluebirds mm-hmm. and yeah. a squirrel. And of course, that snout that we found a couple months oh, ago. Oh, yeah, that's true. The infamous snout. That is true. Yeah. I showed that to my dad, and my dad even seemed a little shocked by the snout. I became more shocked when he was shocked. Yeah, my dad's really seen everything. Mm-hmm. And he was shocked by the snout. Yeah, he couldn't He couldn't figure out what it was yeah, or why it was. It's wild, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. It sure is. But we got a real swale plan out there, and I got a pond plan. Um, I don't know if I'll do it. I want to buy more land just to build some ponds. Mm-hmm. I got to get into getting some government grants. I know yeah. they're giving out some government grants for people doing agricultural projects and i'm ready to get into it what i want to find is bad land i want land that no one is doing anything with and it seems desolate because i want to try to turn it around i'm looking forward to it i'm into it yeah i got lots of plans Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of fun and i will say um all right so how about a little where we've been where we're going last time I guess not this weekend, but last weekend, I did two theater shows. I did one in Chattanooga, um, Tennessee, that was sold out. Oh, our baby woke up. And uh, we're trying to do a little sleep training for the baby, so he woke up. But we're not ignoring him. We're just hoping he goes back to sleep. But the um, we um, So I did Chattanooga, the Walker Theater, sold out was really great sold out I'm very excited because I've been doing I've been doing shows in uh, Chattanooga for a long time I started featuring at the comedy catch um, featuring for some headliners that were not selling a lot of tickets and then I began to headline and I was not selling a lot of tickets and I just kept going back and going back until you know the last couple of times I was at the comedy catch we sold out quite a few shows. So I had a lot of fun for a long time doing shows at the Comedy Catch. Um, And this was my first time, you know, going to Chattanooga and doing a theater of my own. And it was really cool to sell it out. I was really pumped. I got to see a lot of friends. My my sister lives nearby and a lot of the family came. Uh, And then I got to see some old Hyman's friends. Uh, My buddy Eric Lonez, who used to host at the Comedy Catch quite a bit, was there. A lot of fun. And then um, on Saturday, I went to Bowling Green, Kentucky uh, to Skypack. Now, I sold more tickets at Skypack than I did in Chattanooga, but it was a much larger theater, double the size, but really great. They treated me so nice there. They were so good. Uh, The lady that drove us from the hotel... Alec Parent opening for me. The lady that drove us from the baby's crying. I'm just having a hard time focusing on oh, okay. on doing talking. Let me go see. Yeah, because he's just you know, um, the um, <laughs> he is right below us. Um, but we had uh, Alec on the way from the hotel. Um, to the venue, 
uh, in Bowling Green, the lady driving, I didn't think she was particularly driving wild, but as we hit downtown Bowling Green, uh, it felt like she was starting and stopping real fast at all the red lights. And I thought to myself, I'm like, dang, am I getting sick? I was like, I don't feel great. And then we pull up to the venue, get out. And the moment we get there, Alec jumps out of the car and he goes, was that driving insane or what? And I was just, it just took me back because I was like, wow, the lady's standing right there. But he said it before she got out of the car. And apparently he was sitting in the backseat. I was in the front. He got really sick. Um, And it affected him big time. So going out on stage, he was supposed to do 20, 25 minutes. He ended up doing 15, and that 15 was a struggle. I'd never seen him do that bad. Uh, and I was watching him. It was hilarious to me in a lot of ways, except for the fact that, well, this is a, a, a big show, and I want this to go really well. But I ended up doing like an hour and 25 minutes at that show, and I was like, man, I was like, that's awesome. That feels good. That's that's the kind of stuff I want to do. I, I want to do these 90-minute theater shows, and I want uh, my opener to do about 15 minutes. That's what I want. I want to do an hour 15 minimum and then maybe go over. Now, if I start selling big-time tickets and doing two shows a night, that might be too much. But if I'm just doing one show, I, I definitely want to do over an hour. I love doing that. I had so much fun doing that. Those shows were great. Oh, in Chattanooga, I had my friend uh, Vince Fabra, who I uh, came up doing comedy with. I had him come out and do uh 15 off the top and that was a really a lot of fun and then alec parent on that show too and then coming up this weekend i'm gonna be in um arizona i'll be at uh, cb live in i don't know why i can never remember the the name of this town um it's not phoenix it's not tempe it's um a very nice part of town and uh, I don't know why it, I can never think of it. Um, but I'll, I'll be Thursday, I'll be there, CB Live. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'll be at the Tempe Improv. Now, I go to Phoenix all the time, and I've been doing stand up live in Phoenix, uh, which is great. I love it. But I've not done the Tempe Improv in a long time. I don't think I've ever actually headlined a full weekend. I was. Um, uh, one weekend I, uh, featured for, oh man, I'm really blanking. I featured for, uh, well, CB live says Phoenix. It is Phoenix, but there, there is a particular side of town, but anyway, CB live Heather McDonald. I was in Tempe improv. I was featuring for Heather McDonald on Friday and Saturday and then uh, the early shows, and then I was headlining my own show, The Late Show, Friday and Saturday. And I really had a great time there. I've, I've always liked the Tempe Improv. I featured for Robert Kelly there. I featured for uh, comedian Bob Marley there. And I love that club. So I'm very excited to be going back. And I'm not, and I'm not trading on the other club. The club is CB Live, is owned, and Stand Up Live, and Tempe Improv, I believe, are all owned by the same people. So, you know, just moving around a bit. But I like the Tempe side. It's a college area. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like it's just a fun area. 
It's a nice hamburger spot that I go. I've been to a couple of times when I'm over there. Uh, it's great. I rode a scooter all over town in in Tempe. I had a cigar uh, at a place and sat and talked with some people for a long time. Uh, it's great. I'm pumped. This Saturday is the SEC championship. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't talk about football a ton on the podcast, but yesterday was Rivals Day. The Alabama-Auburn game was big. I mean, it was a real heartbreaker for the Auburn fans. Uh, I think most people, if they've ever talked to me about this, they know where I'm at with it. I um, Now that I don't, I've always said, I'm an Alabama fan unless I'm watching the game with other Alabama fans. Uh, other Alabama fans, not all of them, but a lot of them can be real over the top. But I love Alabama football. My dad is a big Alabama fan. My mom is a big Auburn fan. I've been to a bunch of Auburn games. I used to. We used to have season tickets. My mom still has season tickets, but we used to go all the time to them. Hannah knows how big of an Auburn fan my mom is. Uh, she know Hannah's back. She knows how big of an Alabama fan my dad is. Uh, and so I've been able to walk the line, meaning I can cheer for both teams. There is a real, it goes deep in my family and I can, I can walk the line. My stance is when it comes down to the Alabama and Auburn game, I look at it like this. I go, which of these teams has a chance to go on to the playoffs and go on to the national championship. And whichever team has a chance, that's who I'm pulling for. But the entire time we've been together, the only team that's ever had a chance is Alabama. So don't you just get sick of rooting for the same team? No. But, um, yeah, I mean, that may be true the whole time we've been together. Uh, But it's not always been true. And... No, I mean, people, you know, some people, you know, they just root for one team regardless. They don't even do this this change up that I do. Um, I just think that it's fun not living in Alabama to have one of my home, uh, you know, one of my my home teams in the playoffs. Now, Alabama may not get there. Uh, Alabama barely beat Auburn and Auburn last week got uh, really beat by a kind of a no-name team. Uh, so Alabama's struggling. They won the game, but they're struggling. And they got they got to play Georgia next week, who is like the best team, uh, you know, maybe ever created. I mean, they're uh, they're just unbelievable. Mm. Uh, of course, that's not true, but they're they are pretty like. They're great. They're on steroids. Yeah, they're a great team. So Alabama has to beat them next week, and then they still may not get into the playoffs. So I thought the game was great. I love the Auburn game. I really hate how Auburn lost because it's got to be heartbreaking. It came right down to the very end and just— It looked like they were at a funeral. Yeah, it was just a crusher of an ending. Like, I don't think any Auburn fan went into that game expecting Auburn to win— but just to lose it in the fashion they lost it in, devastating. Mm. Absolutely devastating. Mm. Um, Eagle. So, um, all right. So we got some things to talk about. Um, I wanted to talk about this because, you know, the last time I was in Kansas City, someone gave me a Kansas City book. 
I think it's a children's book. You know, it's got little cartoons in it. But there's not really much going on in the book. There's no story being told. And in fact, I've read the book to Daisy a few times. And when I read it to her now, I try to add words into it. Otherwise, it's such a quick read. But it'll be like, Kansas City is a barbecue city. You know, and then you turn the page and it's like, a city with hopes and dreams. And then you turn the page (laughs) and it's like, it's like, a city with football and baseball teams. You know what I mean? A lot of hometown pride. And it's just like, this is not, but the the art is good in the book and I, I like the book. So I'll read it to her and I try to add words into it just to fill it out a little bit. So, um, I guess the other day we had, um, I don't know what, what we were, why we were talking about Kansas City or what, but my sister was here and, and she reminded me of this song uh, and I forget who sings it, but it's like, Kansas City lights shine for me tonight. You know, it's a country song, great song. And we have this book, a Richard Scarry book uh, that I bought in, uh, in Corvallis, Oregon. And at a bookstore, and it's this great book where you just, it's its like a, such a good picture book. You're just flipping through it, and it'll have like a, a scene of a farm. And it's, it'll be, it's a children's book. Yeah, it'll be very detailed. And then you flip, and it'll have like a, a whole like lakeside mountain theme with some cabins in it. It'll be very detailed. A little bunny house. A little bunny house where all the bunnies Playgrounds. are getting ready for work and playgrounds. Supermarket. Yeah. And then it has a cityscape, you know. And now when I flip to it, Daisy goes, Kansas City. (laughs) (laughs) And then she'll go, Kansas City lights. (laughs) So, I mean, we love Kansas City. Yeah. But Daisy really loves Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure she knows why, but. We got to get her there. We got to get her to Kansas City. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, she is a a big Kansas City fan. KC. And it's like, you know, the Chiefs are so good at football that it's boring now, unless Mm -hmm. you live in Kansas City. It's like, it's like, come on, guys, Mm -hmm. you know. But I thought that was pretty fun. That's exciting. It's cute. It is. It is cute. It's cute and it's fun. Oh, and we went. Oh, so Thanksgiving has come and gone. And we went to my sister's house for Thanksgiving. This year, my sister bought a new house, her and her husband. And um, since they bought this house, and they bought a, what is it, a five-bedroom house. And they bought it with the intention. Now, their son lives with them. He's in his 20s. He lives with them. Um, And uh, my mom was going to move in there, too. She's going to sell her house and move in. And then they were going to have a guest room. So um, since uh, since that all happened, my niece also moved up from Alabama. This is in Cleveland, Tennessee. My niece also moved up there, and she has two kids. So they're all living there. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people living there. And uh, I think they're doing just fine. But they hosted... Thanksgiving, and then my other nephew and his wife and his son live also in Cleveland, but not in their house. And then, and then me and Hannah 
um, and Daisy and Sam went. And then we also took my dad and my stepmom. Now, keep in mind, my dad is not my sister's dad. And my dad is also my mom's ex-husband. So we talked them into, you know, my sister invited me and I go, I, you know, I'd love to come, but you gotta, you gotta let my dad come. And she's like, okay, no problem. And then I, you know, and then I also had to run it by my dad. Do you want to go hang out with your ex-wife's family? Um, now ex-wife of, you know, I'm 41 years old. They divorced when I was two or three. So it's been a while. Uh, but they they were down with it. So my dad and my stepmom stayed here for a couple of days. We had a great visit. We went out to the Goat in Mount Pleasant, a real real family tradition. We'll go out there. Is it Mount Ple- Mount Juliet? Mount Pleasant's in South Carolina, and I always get the two confused. Mount Juliet, and uh, and that was fun. And that you had a little trouble on that car ride out mm. to. Out to Thanksgiving, Dusty. Well, you said I, a lot of wild things. Well, our cabin that disturbed me. <laughs> well, our cabin is in McMinnville, which is about halfway in between here and and Cleveland, but halfway off. Like like let's say it's um, three hours to get from here to Cleveland. It's three hours and twenty minutes if you go to the cabin and then to Cleveland. So, and then uh, I sold my dad on it by telling him that my sister lived in Chattanooga because that's just kind of the nearest place he would know. But really, Cleveland's 30 minutes outside of Chattanooga on the other side of where my dad lives. So, by going to Cleveland, we've now put my dad four hours from his house. He's five hours from our house. So, we drove three hours to get him four hours away. So if he, normally he would have a five-hour drive. Now he has a seven-hour drive. And we, so we went to the cabin, and it was great. I wanted my dad to see what we had done with the cabin, see some updates. So we popped in there for maybe 30 minutes, looked around at everything, dropped off some stuff. Changed some diapers. Changed some diapers, and then got back in the car and made our way out to Cleveland. Now we put it into Google Maps, which Google Maps, I have a setting on my Google Maps to to give me the shortest route. And Lord, that will betray you. I don't know even how to change it. I'd have to dig in there to change it, but that will betray you. I it gave us some wild back roads. And it took us to the scene of deliverance. Yeah, I mean, we were way back on some East Tennessee. Deep in the hollows. Yeah, and I was like, this cannot be the fastest way. I don't know how how we've been brought this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept thinking about, because we were in separate cars. So I just kept thinking about my dad and my stepmom riding in this car by themselves, talking about what I've dragged them into. And I just, it got me so stressed. I was stressed on behalf of my dad because my dad can be a stressful guy, an impatient, stressful guy. So I was stressed on his behalf. And I just kept, and I said, I did, I said, I hate this day. Mm. And it, nothing was going wrong either. It's, it's like the kids were both asleep. They were peaceful. Hannah was resting her eyes. I was stressed because I was like, I just felt bad that I had drugged my dad out to this Thanksgiving 
Um, and, and I made his day so long. But then I got out and, and uh, well, well Hannah, we was, Hannah was like, let's pray. And we prayed in the car. And then when we got out, my dad was totally fine. He was like, yeah, I'm fine. It's cool. And we went in and uh, sat down for a minute and hung out. And this was like 2 o'clock. I figured they were all waiting on us to eat. But nobody would say anything about food when we got there. And I was finally like, well, you guys want to eat or what? And they're like, yeah, it's all ready. And... Um, and then, and then still everybody was kind of bebopping around. My dad was the first, my dad's the, the, he's like the biggest guest of this uh, Thanksgiving. Everybody else practically lives at the house together. And my dad was the first one to make a plate. I was the second one to make a plate. I was like, let's get in here. Let's make some plates. You don't play around with etiquette when it's time to eat. No, that's I, something that's been true about you for a long time. Yeah, it's like I, 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 re, I really like the weight on everybody to get their food at the table before you begin to eat. I like that. That is a a uh, really nice thing to do, unless the p- people that you're waiting on are Have just no class. taking their time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like we talked about this with Hannah, Hannah's dad. Um, you know, we stayed there the last time we were at Hannah's dad's house. We stayed there three or four nights, and every night, uh, Hannah's dad and Hannah's dad's girlfriend would make us these really great meals. They would go to great lengths to make these meals. And then they would set the table and they would go, All right, everybody come sit down. And then we would go sit down. And then Hannah's dad would just be, by the end of the weekend, I'm making jokes at him. I'm like, yeah, you'll be like, all right, sit down. And then you'll go in the bathroom and shave. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it's just like, it's, and, 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 you know, and I'm obviously not going to just start eating in that situation. But it's like other situations where like, like a Thanksgiving thing, it's like, there's so many people here. Uh, it's like, you just got to get your plate. You got to fix your plate and, and, and eat. And you got to get it because it's going to get cold. There's too many dishes for it all to be timed out that everything's hot. Half the food's already cold. So go in, get that Turk. Yeah. Yes, key. exactly. You got to get you got to get your food. Yeah. And we sat down and we ate and they had a bit of a weird setup for the table. Now they, they put the children's table in the middle and then they had two longer tables on either side but they put chairs on the ends and i don't know if these descriptions will make sense but we're in one long room so i sat down at the end of the table and then my dad sits down on the other end of the table and then the tables start to fill in well with my dad sitting on the end it made it like a division in the room. So it's like me and my dad and my stepmom and Hannah and a couple of my nephews, but then the rest of the family at another table. It felt like they were in another room. And that was a bit weird for me, but we had a good time talking. I I always have a hard time with large groups of people trying to eat together. Like when I would wait tables and People would come in and they would need to pull up uh, enough tables for 20 people to sit together. I'm like, you're not going to all talk to each other. You know, uh, you know, let's do two tables of 10 or whatever, but you're not going to all talk together. Mm -hmm. It's it's too much. But 
Yeah, that's why it's devastating if you go to a friend's like birthday dinner and they invite a lot of people and then you just happen to sit beside someone you absolutely don't know and far away from the people you do know, it's devastating. It is because it's like you feel excluded from... You feel excluded and you're also like, geez, now I've got to brace myself through awkward conversation or who knows what this doldrum's about to spit out at me well that's why the large reservation out to a restaurant is bad anyway because it's either that the reason everybody wants to sit together is nobody wants to get stuck at the table with the people you're talking about with the boring person or the person that you don't know or the person that's not cool right you don't want to be stuck at that table but so so with if everybody's sitting together at least you're all at one table but you're still Stuck who you're stuck. Well, and it all depends on your personality types. Like if you're someone like me that if I feel uncomfortable, I'll talk more. Or if there's a lull in the conversation, I will try to fill it. Like that's just my go-to reactive thing that I do, you know, when I'm with people. But some people seemingly perfectly comfortable with saying nothing at all. And not trying to be pleasant or witty or fun or even just attempting conversation with a meager question or two with the person that you're sitting across from. So if you're stuck with someone like that, then you're like, well, geez, now I'm just condemned to silence with eating. You know, it's just it's just upsetting. It's just upsetting the different types we have out here. Well, yeah. Well, if you are sitting next to the person that that. That they could care less about being there so they can just sit there in silence because they're just trying to get through it. It's like, that's the worst. Yeah. Because, I mean, I've been known to run off Jehovah's Witnesses by talking about the Bible. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I can talk about stuff. Yeah. I can find almost anything to talk about. Mm-hmm. If the person sitting there um, has anything they want to talk about, I can figure out how to get into it with them. What if, because this happens to me sometimes, what if for like some weird vibe, you get the vibe that this person like instantly doesn't like you. And so like they don't want to talk to you. Oh, well, if that's the case, I can also not talk. You know what I mean? Like if you don't like me, uh, fine. Who cares? Okay. You're weird. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I can just sit in silence. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, I'll find somebody else to talk to, mm-hmm. or I'll just not talk at all. Would you get up and move if it got, if it got, the, the vibe got hostile enough? Well, if it got hostile, I'd just leave the restaurant. <laughs> uh, I got enough, I got enough going on in my life that whatever that setting, that, that yeah. whatever, whatever that hypothetical setting is that I yeah. would be in. I don't need it. <laughs> you better talk to your friend and be like, you better figure out the seating arrangement next year, dude. Yeah. Or yeah. don't invite this joker. Yeah. I bet. Listen, or I'm going to go out. ahead. Yeah. Let me go ahead and get a to-go box for this. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Yeah. But, you know, and uh, I'm I'm more like that now that I don't drink. But I when I used to drink, I would be more confrontational. Um, I remember going out with uh, some people. This one guy I had done comedy with. This was early on, probably 2004 or whatever. I remember doing uh, comedy with this guy a little bit. I had only did comedy one or t- one or two times back then. And I went out with him and some of his friends after 
after a show or something and we were all drinking and and one of the guys like was was like trying to like pick on me and I was drinking and I just remember saying to the guy like I don't know what you think this is going to be but you're not going to be picking on me I just was like had to just lay it down with the guy like I don't know what you're doing Mm -hmm. but we can hang out or not hang out. But whatever this is that you're doing, that's not going to work for me. That's strong, Dusty. It's a strong move. Yeah, I can't. Call yeah. a spade a spade. Yeah, I'm just not going to try to outwit the guy all night trying to come at me yeah. about something. It's like, all right, dude. You're not going to be the bigger man. You're just going to say, stop. Yeah, I don't like that. Because I'm not going to. Yeah, I don't want to do that all night. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, I don't. I, I never saw those people again. I mean, one the the guy I did comedy with a little bit. I I saw him several times, but his friends I never saw again. It's like I don't need this in my life. Mm-mm. I'm not going to tolerate it. I don't like. I used to have a friend. I would go to his house. I'm still friends with this guy, but they, you know, I got a thing with dogs. I got a real thing with dogs. I'm not. I don't. I don't dislike them, but I don't get along well with them. And. I would hang out at their house and him and my other friends, they would think it would be fun. They would do this to other people too, but I had the strongest reaction to it. They would like try to get the dog to like, they'd be like, get him, get him, that sort of thing. And I would just leave his house. I would go get in the car and I would go somewhere else. (laughs) And they'd be like, hey dude, what happened? I go, I'm not playing that. I want to hang out, but not so bad that I'm going to play that game. That's abrupt though. That's an abrupt move. Yeah, well, you're just sitting around chilling. Your your boys talking to his dog, real playful. Like <laughs> you just stand up and leave. They thought you were just gonna go pee outside. I bet. Yeah, I left. I go. No, nah, I'm not gonna play that game. Uh huh. I don't. I don't do that. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, so so oh, I wanted to say this though about sitting at the table with my dad. So my nephew is there. My nephew that lives with my sister and brother in law. He. Um, Justin is his name. He was, uh, he had told me a story the other day. And I think he told me this story because I have a joke about it in, in the Netflix half hour where I say someone thought I was homeless. And so he told me that the other day he was in a Walmart parking lot. He was, he was wearing his Auburn hat and a NASCAR shirt. He liked to let me know those were the two things he was wearing. And a lady thought he was homeless and tried to give him money out of the window of her car. Uh, so I, I, he had told me that story and I go, I'm just trying to get some conversation going. He don't really know my dad though. I go, tell my dad that story. Tell my dad that story that happened to you the other day. And, uh, Justin's not the greatest communicator in the world. Uh, but he got a lot of spirit about him. So he got the story out and, uh, and then my dad laughed and he had two stories where people thought my dad was homeless. Or, or at least needed money. My dad's made this joke. Uh, now, my dad's just older now, right? He's 76 years old. He's retired. He wear he, he lives on a farm. He wears his overalls everywhere. But he used to be a real charismatic man about town. But now, you know, now he's older and he, he really don't care. And he's at this grocery store and this lady in front of him is ringing up a bunch of groceries. And my dad, I've seen my dad make this joke his whole life. Uh, and he goes, he says to her, he goes, well, just go ahead and put my dinner on, on your bill. He goes, it won't make much difference. You know, that kind of thing, whatever. Just a classic, let me get you to pay for my meal joke. 
But apparently the lady left $10 with the cashier to pay for my dad's meal. Hmm. Like because she thought he really needed her to pay for his meal. He's probably just trying to pick her up. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably just flirting. But either way, she was she tried to pay for his meal. And then something happened. He was trying to tell me they went to a bed bath and beyond with like uh my sister, my younger sister, his daughter, not not unrelated to your other sisters. Yeah, yeah. And uh and apparently they like they thought I guess they thought my sister was buying something for a homeless man and they were like we're just gonna give this to you (laughs) (laughs) but my dad doesn't look homeless no he He doesn't he doesn't even have a beard anymore growing up he had a beard he just has the mustache he doesn't even look 76 yeah and he don't look dopey and sad the way you might think someone might mistake a homeless person for being or you know what i mean like he doesn't look like forlorn like he needs help yeah my dad's very with it he's not in the best shape but he still gets around good Mm -hmm. and uh yeah yeah but it was funny that he had two stories of people thinking he was homeless yeah i guess there's a real homeless crisis going on these days and you never know yeah you know, one time my dad told me a guy came up to him at the grocery store and offered him some gold necklaces. And he could, and they were real gold necklaces, but the guy was offering them so cheap to my dad that my dad knew they were stolen. And he he goes, I'll just take them all. <laughs> or at least he figured they were stolen. He goes, I'll just take them all. And he bought all the gold necklaces from the guy and then every anniversary for like the next five or six years, maybe 10 years, my dad would give my stepmom a new gold necklace. <laughs> <laughs> That's a class act right there. Yeah. That's a frugal class act. Yeah. I mean, you play in the long game too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now Martha's walking around like a rapper, all the chain she's got. Yeah. A chain every year. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right, Richard. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Huh? Straight up player. Yeah. What's the town outside of Phoenix? I've been there a few times. Tempe? Now, Tempe's where I'm going this weekend, uh, but on... Flagstaff? No, not... I'm f- just listing towns that I relatively... Yeah, I never can think of it. I've been there a few times, but I never can think of the name. Mm. I just thought I'd ask you. Okay. Um, but the, but the birdhouse is up. The owl house is not up, but I have decided not to put the owl house in the yard at the, in the neighborhood. And this is what convinced me not to do it. Someone emailed one, one of our, 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 our listeners emailed and said that owls will kill chickens. So if you don't want any neighborhood drama, maybe don't do the owl house. Mm hmm. Oh, I do have an email that I'd like to read. And we got some neighbors with chickens in case anyone's wondering. This is the guy who emailed a while back and we went through a very detailed email about quitting drinking, that he was thinking about going back to drinking. Okay. So he's written us another email. Okay. The con- the the um, subject line is, is weed a good alternative to drinking? By the way, before I get into this, it's five weeks as of yesterday. No weed or or cigars for me. Praise the Lord. 
I don't, you know, I don't want to get too into the idea that I've quit these things, though. Cigars, maybe, but uh, weed, I don't know. I mean... All I know is you're getting really into gardening. I am. But I, I'm just saying, I, I feel good that I've gone this long, but I don't know that I'm trying to make some declaration that I've quit. I just want to, I just want that caveat in there. So if I end up smoking weed somewhere, people are not like, what happened? I'm just taking a break and it feels good. Um, but this, this subject line is weed, a good alternative to drinking. Uh, Hey Dusty, I have emailed several times before. My most recent email was about how I have been sober and still struggling to have a good time in general. The advice you gave me did help. However, it didn't completely change the way I felt. And I didn't think that it would. I was just giving my best uh, advice. Uh, Here we go. Continuing on. I was struggling with wanting to relapse a little while back and a few of my friends recommended that I smoke weed to help me not want to do alcohol. So I tried it. My first trip was awful. I literally believed that I was going to (laughs) die. I've been there. I never smoked weed before. I guess not, but I've been there, dude. Uh, uh, In parentheses, maybe a flaw on my part for doing more than I should for a first timer. Uh, I will say this. It's just too strong. Now when I'm, when I'm doing weed, especially if I don't know the weed, I do one hit. I take one little puff and then I just let it ride to see where it's going to take me. And the thing to remember, if you're going to smoke weed is you do one hit and then no matter what your brain tells you, you're not going to die. Now, I'm not giving people any kind of medical advice, so I'm not telling you that weed can't kill you. I don't know. Never heard of it killing anybody, but I don't know. But I'm just saying, you take one hit, you're not going to die. I'm not telling you to do it, but if you've done it, in your mind, tell yourself, you're fine. Just tell yourself, you're fine. You're just high. That's all that's happening. Because that's what happens. You get too high and you go, oh, no, I'm having a heart attack. Oh, no, I'm dying. Oh, can I breathe? I can't breathe. I had a joke for a while. In 2020 and 2021, it was a great joke where I say, uh, you know, I had to play this little game at home where it's like, do I have COVID or am I just high? You know? Okay. Continuing on with the email. The next few times were all right. The biggest problem I find with weed is that even the smallest dose smallest dose I take still make me feel like I am not in control of my body and I cannot function, period. However, with alcohol, even if I'm extremely drunk, I know where I am, how to deal with the situation and have a good time. I guess in a long roundabout way, what I a way I am asking is weed a good alternative to alcohol is the way to do it that does make you trip out so hard that you that it completely turns you off. Uh, I live in Ohio and weed has recently been legalized, but I've just been so turned off by weed and my it might be a personal error. There are some errors in this email here that I don't know if I can replace my alcohol addiction for that. If there are better alternatives, I'm more than happy to hear because uh, I'm trying that isn't alcohol because I'm trying anything that isn't alcohol if I'm being honest, but it's getting tough not to go back. Uh, I love your comedy. 
and you're such an inspiration. There's no need to throw that in, but I like to... Yeah, you read uh, those words just fine. I like to put it out there. Oh, now I accidentally deleted the email. There's some kind of thing that happens with... with uh, uh, all right, well, this is what I'll say. I'm, I got to find where I accidentally deleted that. Um, all right. This is what I'll say. I don't think weed is a good alternative to alcohol. Uh, for me, um, it's like this. I've said this a million times. The thing I liked about alcohol uh, was that it really gave me this ability to shut off my brain, to live as if there is no consequences, and that is a freeing feeling. There is a euphoria in it. You could go to the bar, have some drinks, talk, laugh with your friends, uh, act wild, do stupid things, and just not even care, not feel one way about it at all. And then when I smoke weed, it is completely the opposite. I feel very aware of everything I'm doing, too aware of my situation, my surroundings, what I'm doing, what I'm saying, why I'm saying it. Uh, a bar is the last place I want to be when I'm, I'm high. And so it's like, to me, it's not a good alternative. To me, the only, only thing to do when you quit drinking is to find new things to do if the old things that you were doing are not fun to you um, while you're not drinking. You just have to find new things to do. Now, that being said, weed can be a good uh, way to find enjoyment in, in certain things like, you know, say, hey, you don't, you know, you don't want to get wasted and go out, but, you know, you may take a little puff of weed and go watch a movie at a movie theater or, you know, take a little puff of weed and go out and sit by a lake and uh, just stare out at the water or get yourself a blanket and go lay in the grass out in the country somewhere and look up at the stars. I looked at the stars the other night in McMinnville for a while and I was like, this is amazing. Um, it's like, you know, I think, you know, I don't think there is any other choice. You're saying that you're trying, you're, you're ready to try anything other than alcohol. And it's like, there's not a lot of other options, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there are a lot of options, but they all have devastating consequences. I mean, there's, you know, there's cocaine, there's meth. I mean, you know, but those are not going to be, those are not what you're looking for. If you're tripping out too hard on weed, um, none of that's going to be the way to go. It, alcohol and weed are the light things. Now, not that I don't think weed destroys lives, really. Uh, with all this new GMO legalized weed, probably it will begin to destroy some lives. Alcohol for sure has destroyed people's lives. Uh, and that's why it's good to stay away from it, especially if you recognize that you have a problem with it. Just stay away from it. I mean, look at the pull that it has on your life even after you've quit. You still feel this urge to go back to it. That's why it's dangerous. I think the thing to do, this is what always helped me, especially with legal weed. There's, there's a sativa and there's an indica. Uh, for me, the sativa was the better 
weed because it's more of a an energizing weed and i like to do like one little puff and then get out in the yard cut the grass mess around with some stuff find yourself a little hobby that you like to do and get into that and you just got to try to find a different course in life you got to try to find something else you enjoy believe me it's like um, they call it California sober when you just smoke weed and, and you don't drink anymore. But it's like there is something about just being sober all the time that uh, there's like an edginess to it where, you, where you're just like, I just want something. That's why people at the end of the day like to have a glass of wine. That's why people at the end of the day like to have a little toke. Yeah, I mean, I'm sober all the time. And let me tell you what, I'm difficult to be around. difficult to be around but it's like at the end of the day i mean i I, what i would do is i would go into one of these legal weed shops and i would find the the lowest dose dosage of thc uh of a sativa or i would even i do like an indica uh edible i would find a five or ten milligram i wouldn't I'm just I don't telling know you. If you're recommending edibles. I'm not recommending. They're so intense. I'm not recommending anything to anyone. Um, but I'm just saying what I would do in this situation. I would do a five or a ten milligram edible, and the ten I would cut in half. Uh, but if you could find a five, I would do an indica of that. That's what I would do. Uh, I find it very relaxing. If you do more than that, it's out of control. But it, it can it be very relaxing. Also, just some CBD, um, you know, you could do if you if you had a little toke and it was too strong for you, do a little liquid CBD. That's what I would do. And it seems to kind of mellow you out. Yeah, people are into the microdosing, right? Yeah. Well, that is, is kind of what you're talking about. No, no. Well, that's mushrooms. OK, you and, can't just microdose anything. Yeah, but I I don't know. I I guess what I'm just saying is do a small amount of it. Do one little puff and let it ride. And if it's too strong for you, try a little CBD. That's just some suggestions. Mm -hmm. I I always hear people say this on podcasts, and I assume people are doing it for some kind of weird legal reason. So I like to say it too. I'm not telling you to do any of these things. This is not medical advice. And I'm only saying do it if it's legal in your state. But I'm just saying the kind of dosage that I would go to because it is too strong. It's not the same old kind of dirt weed from back in the day. It's too strong. Mm-hmm. And so it's like do do small amounts is my recommendation. Very small. If you like if you I would buy um, buy the flower and then a one hitter and just do a puff and then let it ride. See where it takes you. And just try to find things that you enjoy, you know, movies, video games, uh, you know. And, and if it's the social thing you're missing, uh, maybe you might like cigars, you know. Go hang out with some people. That's why cigars worked so great for me because after comedy shows, I go hang out with people and we have cigars with each other and talk to each other as opposed to having drinks, if I don't, without cigars, I'm just like, well, I'm going to go back to my hotel and go to sleep or, or go watch uh, YouTube or go watch a movie because I'm not just going to sit around and talk. But if I have a cigar, it's like, oh, yeah, I can hang. I don't know. That's Plus just you want to smoke the cigar. 
Well, yeah, but uh, but but it does add a social aspect to it. Yeah, that I think can't be can't be overlooked. Yeah, we don't have the answers, but um, we we uh, we encourage you to you know keep staying sober if you can. You know, it is worth it, and hopefully, you'll get to a point where sober is normal for you and you don't you know feel the itching need to 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 use yeah i mean and you know it's like i was talking to this guy one time he was telling me he was about to go to rehab and he was telling me he was going to rehab for some weird drug and apparently a lot of people down in louisiana were doing this drug and he said he was he was doing that a lot and he needed to go to rehab and i go well i'm glad you're going to rehab and then later I was talking to him and his friend and he was talking about, yeah, I just, you know, I, I just, you know, want to do weed or something like that. And I go, yeah, weed is great. And his friend goes, why is weed great? And I don't know if his friend was some straight edge person or whatever. And I go, listen, I go, sobriety is always the answer. Full on sobriety is the best way to go. But if you have to do something, I think weed is the way mm -hmm. if you have to do something. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I mean, treat it like a end of the day cocktail. Don't wake up. I mean, you do whatever you want to do, but I, I'm not advising people to wake up and do bong rips. You know, allow yourself to feel what sobriety feels like so that when you do these things, then you know the difference. Because it's like, if you... Uh, if you're sober a lot and then you smoke weed and then that weed makes you feel down or makes you second guess yourself, well, it's okay in that moment that you're like, oh, I'm second guessing myself and I, I feel weird and now I'm questioning a lot of the things that, I've, that I'm doing right now. Well, that's fine. You're just high. But if you're high all the time and then that begin, then that's just the way you think now. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, though, there are uh, a sizable amount of people who wake up and smoke weed all day and have been doing that since they were, like, preteens. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, and now they got all these, I, I'm, I'm speaking generally speaking, but a lot of times they're they're anxious, they're depressive, they're, well, yeah. you know, they're, 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 they switch from one thing to the other, and they, they're just, they're in their head. Well, I know during during the first year of COVID, uh, twenty twenty, when we had some serious shutdowns, where I was out of work for a couple of months, a couple of different times, uh, I got pretty heavy into weed because we had no kids and we had uh, nothing to do, and I was just doing weed all day, and I was like, I was starting to get pretty depressed, and I was like, oh, I got to lock this up, and I did. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the answers you're looking for, and I don't claim to have all the answers, but I do want to help you. Yeah. Best way I can. You know, and it, it may be something, you know, to finding a, a new hobby. Start a podcast. Yeah. Start a podcast. Um, you know. Uh, Start you, a YouTube channel. You could, you know, and I don't know if you're a religious person at all, and um, I don't go to a church, but in the past, especially when I quit drinking, I joined a, a church and I joined a, kind of a men's group 
where we would just hang out and do things. We went camping one time, me and a group of dudes. We went camping and for three or four days, and we did hiking, and each night we would cook a bunch of food and eat and sit around the campfire and talk to each other. It was great. And I really enjoyed it because it was such a change of pace from the kind of lifestyle I had been living. Yeah, the Holy so. Spirit was flowing. Yeah, and pray. Mm-hmm. Praying's great. Mm-hmm. Praying is great. Mm-hmm. Prayer, prayer in the way that you pray, and 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 you're 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 not just talking the whole time. You're you you address God and you 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 give reverence to God, but you just sit in silence mm-hmm. and let God speak to you. It's it's meditation in that sense. Yeah, you know, and just. Being still and letting yourself unwind and feel um, and seek God's presence in your life where you are right now. Yeah, it's hard for me to sit alone for any length of time without it's, reaching for my phone. Oh, it's so hard for me too. It's so it's it's hard to like slow yourself down to pray. Especially if you get into a vibe where you're just go, go, go all the time. Like I've been lately, like it's so hard for me to like, dang, sit and pray like five minutes feels like a half hour. Yeah. Sad. It is sad. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we appreciate you guys. This is a special. Well, this will be this is a Sunday night recording for us. But it's hopefully. a Sunday night recording. Uh, we're having a good time with Dusty Slay and Hannah Hogan. But it'll be a Monday morning podcast. Ooh, lucky you. So. All right. Well, thank you very much. We're having a good time.